Hey y'all, welcome back to Love, Sex, and Applied Behavior Analysis, the podcast where pop culture and ABA meet. Yay! Tacting with tequila time. Shot o'clock. Wow. Okay, so on today's episode, I am going to be talking with my guest about socialization, our learning history, um, about some things that we may have been kind of directly conditioned um, into being, um, especially like as um, cisgender women, as professionals, as mothers for, uh, you know, for them. Um, and then also just some of those things that we weren't maybe like directly taught, but some of the messages that we picked up on and we're still kind of conditioned by, um, we're going to be talking about love. We're going to be talking about sex, relationships, societal expectations. We're going to be talking about all the things. So after a quick break, we will be right back. So I have two pretty dope ass BCBAs on the show to talk about my favorite topic. I'm super pumped because I think me and Sarah talk about sex all the time. Me and Megan do not talk about sex at all. So <laughs> this, is gonna, we are going to. <laughs> this is going to be <laughs> a great episode. So welcome to the show, Miss. Well, I should say like doctor. I don't think I've ever called you doctor. Is that rude? That's fine. No. Like I'll just be like, oh, hi, Megan. Okay. So doctor though, Megan Miller and the infamous Sarah Trotman. Yellow. Mm-hmm. Yellow. What up? I feel so, like I've been tricked. We said this was going to be about relationships. <laughs> we'll talk about it all. I promise. Okay. Let's we'll like pre-mac it. We'll do like the relationship stuff and we'll like ease you into the sex stuff. Right. Although full disclosure. I like a nice slow warm up. That's like great. that's foreplay. foreplay. There you go. Yep. This is what I'm saying. It, it just works. So we were just talking about how Sex in the City is coming back. Apparently, it's about the sex because Samantha's not on there. I'm upset <laughs> yeah. about that. and But I am pretty excited, though, to kind of hopefully see older people having sex because I feel like that's super taboo, seeing like older people actually in love, hopefully like Carrie and Big are all in love and all that kind of stuff. What do y'all think about the show coming back, though? Or is it a movie? No, I think, okay. So like this has been this like kind of like drip campaign they had. So like apparently like Sarah Jessica Parker just put like one like little uh, visual like on her like Instagram a couple weeks ago and the people were like, what? You know, like <laughs> Sex in the City is coming back. And so I don't know if it's going to be the a movie that's HBO or is it going to be like a short series? Like, uh... I'm not sure. But we know that Kim Cattrall is not involved, which for me, you know, she was one of my favorite characters in Sex and the City. And you guys, by the way, like, because I'm older than both of you, like this was like, I don't even know how to explain to you how Sex in the City, you know, helped shape my like a young adulthood. I own the entire like box series on DVD. <laughs> I've watched the entire series more times than I can like even think about. And they tackled, I think, some really interesting topics at the time. And it made me like really honestly fall in love with New York so much. And mostly just like the friendship that the the four of them had. And so that's why like I don't know if they're redoing the show, if you don't have Samantha, that's like 25%. And so how does that work? Does that work? And like, and like, what is, is she dead? That's, you know, yeah, is, I need to know like, how I need, I do too. So I have, I have a lot of questions, yeah. but I remain hopefully optimistic that this will still be awesome because I really do like Sarah Jessica Parker. I like Cynthia Nixon, Kristen Davis. 
Um, so we'll see what they Have do. Have y'all seen the show with Kim on it on Hulu? I can't think of the name of it, but she's like a pastor or like a first lady or something. And it's fucking hilarious. I, don't think no. I need to figure out what it's, it's like, I don't know, like 10 episodes. And I was like, let's just turn something on. And then like me and Jamie both really got into it. Anyways, I'll figure out the name of the show, but we have to watch it. Okay, okay. So speaking of sex in the city, I think in shows like that, one of the things I am really, really interested is just relationships and how like our learning history, like how we were kind of like either conditioned you know, directly or indirectly to kind of be how we are in whatever capacity. So I feel like the older I get, the more, at least I hope liberated I get in that like, even like a year ago, some of these like boxes I put myself in, both in my relationship, even like in my friendships, um, in my sexuality, I can't imagine like doing that now. So like, what are some things that you all can think of that you have been like directly taught that it means to be like a cis woman in a relationship? Oh, <laughs> Dr. Miller. <laughs> yeah, I, this, this is one of the things that I'm not 100% sure. I don't know how much of it was explicitly taught. Okay. Right. As opposed to I just growing up with things around me and being like, because as far like as far back as I can remember memories like at five I was like okay so my role in life is to find a husband and get married and have kids and that's what makes me a valuable human right as young as five so I and I don't think my mom ever sat me down and like said that to me yeah (laughs) it was just what I was surrounded by in movies and books in my parents. And what's really funny is when I was in undergrad, I was on the debate team and there was a debater who um, was very, very like forward thinking with feminism and everything. And it's not that I didn't care about women's rights, but she was like 25,000 steps ahead of me. And she was so anti Disney, like movies and all this kind of stuff and talked about that. And this was back in like early 2000s. And I was like, what? No, we can do whatever we want. We're women. (laughs) We're not being conditioned. And I knew nothing about behavior analysis at the time or anything like that. And then it's like, yeah, every, um, every time I think about it, I just, um, all I can remember is that's where I place value. And I think that a lot of my early twenties and not just me, probably a lot of people in my generation, early twenties, mid twenties, it was all about like, you have to find someone to settle down with. And if you can't, you're not a valuable human. Um, And like constantly being asked, you know, are you married yet? All of that kind of stuff. In Panama City, Florida, the average age of marriage was 19. And I was living there. Mm -hmm. And I was the uh, clinical uh, director for the FSU program there for autism in 2008. And so I was like 25, 26. And I would, every time we'd go out, like every guy would be like, wait, you're not married yet. You're how old? Oh, gosh. <laughs> so yeah, that's my short answer. I've Jeez. talked about it forever. What about yeah, you, and Sarah? I think, well, it's different because I grew up in Seattle, Washington. And that was, and Seattle still is a more, you know, it's a pretty, it's a very liberal place to, to grow up. I grew up in near downtown and I think, that I had received maybe some different messages. And so the messages that I received, I don't think as much were attaching kind of like my value and role as like a white cis woman to, to marriage per se, but it, it was more, 
I think honestly, like some of the messages that I received from like media or even like honestly, like sex in the city. I mean, the whole quest of sex in the city, yes, fundamentally, is it about this love, these love that this like, you know, these four women share for each other, of course, and that that's so important and the love that they have for themselves. But like, I'm not blind. This is also about like seeking validation from from men. And, and then that, you know, ultimately gave them, you know, kind of the, this happiness and joy, whether that was a, a marriage or, you know, a, a partnership. And so for me, I think that I, I didn't feel like I felt like with my family of origin that there was any pressure to like get married. And that was like a value per se. But I think that I put pressure on myself that like my relationship status um, was important in terms of how I felt about myself overall. But then you add on the intersection of like my own sexuality and, and sex. And I grew up in a more religious household. And that was something where it's like your sex, that was not something that we talked about. It was not, it's like, you're supposed to be protected. And as a, a girl, you know, if you were, you know, fast, mm -hmm. um, then that was, you know, that you were denigrating your, your value. And, you know, I don't think I've ever had a conversation in my entire life, you know, with my, my mom or even my sister in terms of like, you know, uh, putting like our pleasure on the forefront. Like that was like, yeah. just not something that we talked about in, in my family. And so it's like this interesting thing of growing up in a really liberal place, but then with like religious, you know, a really strong religious foundation. And again, different from you, Megan, that I didn't feel like that pressure to get married and like that wasn't a thing. And now then moving to San Francisco as in my early twenties, everyone I knew was a professional women. Like I got married young, relatively speaking, I was almost 27 and like, all my girlfriends were like, oh my God, why are you getting married so young? Like mm. I have a career, like I don't have time for that shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just so, it's so interesting that you get like all of these messages and then what I chose to put in my own head, Yes. you know, and how I de deciphered all of those and tried to kind of integrate them into like who I was. Yeah. So with you all, obviously you all have very um, successful and at this point, like very long-standing careers. And did you all ever feel this pressure of like choosing either like I'm going to be married, I'm going to be a mom, I'm going to be whatever, or I'm going to be this bomb ass behavior analyst like and if you did feel pressure like how do you kind of navigate that. Do you want to go first this time Sarah or do you want me to. Oh my God, I mean, part of how I grew up. And again, like I'm a, I'm a little I'm older than Megan I'm way older than you Cammy. we already <laughs> know that uh, is is this whole idea of like women can have it all. Like you're allowed to have a career and yeah. you know, a husband that you wanna have sex with on a regular basis and you can have children and you can take care of yourself. And then it's like, especially over like the last, I think like 10 or 15 years, I think we've been able to be like, hey girl, no. That's, it, that's just, it simply isn't possible. You can't have it all because you are going to burn yourself out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't have a focused career all the time and this great marriage all the time. And, you know, be this like present mother yeah. all the time and like take care of yourself all the time. You can have some things some of the time and what those things are, are will change yeah. um, depending on what you're working on, depending on the needs of the other people within your family. If you choose to have a, a partner or a marriage, if you choose to have children, um, but I think for me, I, I, because I own my own business and I ran my own business for 15 years, that was a big piece of my self-identity. You know, my work is still a huge piece of my self-identity. It's been something that I've prioritized, but I will say honestly, and, I'm, and I've said this before, it's also part of the reason that I was divorced um, is because I was obsessed with my job um, yeah. and in my career and was 
exerting so much response effort to that. And then kids that it's like, my ex-husband was just like the last thing in the priority. And that, you know, really um, was not the only contributing factor, but definitely a factor that contributed, you know, to our divorce three years ago. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. What about you, Megan? Like, how do you kind of balance it all? Yeah, or do so I you? Think, <laughs> I think I would have had to choose if I went down the path I thought I was going to go down. So when I was an undergrad, I had a long-term boyfriend for three years. I was always in long-term relationships and, um, serial he, monogamist. Uh-huh. <laughs> because how else would I be valuable? <laughs> so, um, he was finishing up school at Ohio state and I, um, needed to go to grad school. Cause what the hell are you going to do with an undergrad in psych? So I decided to move down to Florida and go get my master's degree. And our relationship wasn't the greatest. Um, So that was just sort of like an easy way to break up with him or whatever. But before I made that decision, I thought like we, I would graduate undergrad and we would get married and I would go straight in. I didn't even think about a career. I really didn't care about like what I was going to do or anything like that. But he was, his parents had been divorced and he was very much like, no, no. (laughs) if I marry you well first of all one of the things he said to me if I marry you the person I think I'm gonna marry is skinnier than you and I think in that relationship like if it just tells you anything about oh my god yeah never mind the fact that I had not gained any weight while we were dating and he'd gained like 15 pounds but anyway so um, (laughs) so I broke up with him and I went to grad school and I like dated people or whatever, but I just, I happened to get into my career pretty quickly straight out of grad school. And I was just, you know, loving everything and doing such an amazing job that when I met um, Blake, who I married, um, I was already established. Like I had a a Mm. career, even though I had only been certified for like two years, it was still just like, this is what I do. And even when we met, I was like, I don't know, maybe I could have kids. But like back when I graduated undergrad, that's what I thought for sure. Like in my mid twenties, I would have a child. Right. Yeah. So we got married. Um, I didn't have a choice when I moved to Virginia, there were no companies really to like work for that, um, that were at my level of, uh, effective care. So I started my business and I was basically working from like 7am until 11pm at night. There was no balance. It was just me and my job. Um, but it worked out because my husband was in the military and he was gone all the time. So it didn't really matter. Um, so, and that's basically has been, was basically my life for most of the marriage. So I didn't really have to choose if that makes sense. I just kept like establishing my career and doing the things I wanted to do and just knocking stuff out. And I thought the same thing would happen when Taylor was born, my son, I was just, you know, I can hire nannies and babysitters and I can take care of things, but the pressure that has been put on me by my mom and um, also like articles that Blake would send me of like how women are supposed to stay at home. So like there was definitely like pressure that came in from people that were like, whoa, whoa, you had a child. I thought you'd stay home now, right? And I'd go to like conferences and people would be like, where's Taylor? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like I'm at a professional conference, like where's he supposed to be? Well, I brought him with me the first like two years because he could travel and stuff. So maybe that's yeah. why people would ask. But so I guess like I was be I, I wasn't ever pulled before I had my son, but once I had Taylor, people tried to put me in that box. But thankfully I was so confident and established in my career that I was just like, What? Yeah. <laughs> it's not happening. 
So one of the things I have found beneficial to your point is that Jamie has a career of her own that is so fast paced. So like, I'm still the one because I'm just such a needy person. Like I'm still the one where like, I'll be like super, super busy. Like, honestly, right now, I'm probably on the brink of like a serious burnout. (laughs) And I'm still like, but love me, like need me. And she's like, you realize that like, you've been working since like 3am, right? And I'm like, but now I'm not. So give me attention. (laughs) And I do kind of wonder though, like how it would be if we did have kids. I feel like I imagine that motherhood specifically adds this new burden of just pressure um, that I don't imagine fatherhood, I guess in like the same capacity kind of adds. And it's just, it's sad. And I feel like even like when your kids age, that pressure is still there. I don't know. Yeah. And speaking of kids, have you all, well, I'm sure you have, Sarah, because your kids are older, mm-hmm. how, like had the sex talk and everything with your kids. Was it awkward? I've always wondered how this, like from a parent's perspective, because my parents, they were you like, remember your sex talks? Like, I do. My yeah. parents were like, this is a, like, they didn't sugarcoat anything. And I think it's because my mom and her side of the family had a history of sexual abuse. So it was like very, mm-hmm. very important. Like, I tell you exactly what this is. I'm going to tell you the real name. There was no birds and the bees. My mom like taught me about masturbate. Like it was just a very like own it. Like, first of all, you need to learn how to pleasure yourself so you can figure out what the fuck you like. And then, so you can hopefully ask appropriately, you know, like for other people to give you that, should you ever want somebody to do that? But like with me and my brother, it was very like, this is exactly what it is. And like, you need to know like what these things are called. How is it for y'all? For my kids in, oh, go ahead, Megan. No, it's fine, go. I was just gonna say, so in California, they, kids start getting health education, sex education, like in fifth grade. And so I remember you guys, this was so funny. So Tess came home one day after school. She was so angry (laughs) and she walked in and I was like, what's happening? She's like, I cannot believe the assignment that I have tonight because she can be very melodramatic. I was like, well, what is it? She's like, I will not even speak with you about it. And she like took up this like crumpled piece of paper and she like thrust it to me and she like walks away and I open it up and it's, uh, you know, it's like male reproductive organs. And her assignment was having to name every part of the male reproductive organ. And I was like, oh, I'm like, this is no big deal. I'm just like, this is a scrotum, this is a penis, you know, and she was just like, I don't want to think about this, (laughs) disgusting, you know, but of course now, because she's almost 15, uh, these, you know, kind of health education, uh, you know, chats are are different. And so, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about sex in the kind of a more casual way, but it's, I actually, but I haven't had a conversation with her specifically in terms of like her sexuality and or her kind of desires because she's said to me she's like listen like I don't feel like I'm ready Mm. for those types of things yet and she's like I really want to focus on like my studies and I especially because my daughter my daughter is 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 black and I've just been like so protective of her in terms of like not wanting her to be over sexualized you know and wanting her to like be able to have innocence as much as possible because a lot of times just black girls aren't allowed to have that and I was like not on my fucking watch um and so I think I've been honestly in some ways I wonder if I've been too much the opposite of just like not wanting to go there with her because I'm so protective and just want to let her be in her kid bubble um and then like with my son because like he's like a dude and like I'm his mom and like he has you know his dad and he has Jay you know and also you know Jay has boys too I'm kind of like I'm gonna defer yeah (laughs) to to y'all 
Um, and, you know, and just again, like, you know, I mean, like, we always talked about, you know, body parts and what their names are. We didn't do any like code names. I'm like, it's a penis, it's a vagina. It's no big yeah. deal. You, most people have one or the other. There is a very interesting group of people that don't. And yeah. like, this is the cornucopia of humanity. So like, it's no, like, it, it was it's never no a thing in our house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't want to make it like anything like stigmatizing or strange, uh, especially again, because I think that my children are uniquely vulnerable and for, and for different reasons. And so yeah. I was like, I'm not trying to add on, you know, anything that could potentially put you in an unsafe situation. But yeah, for Joe, I've been like pivoted. I've just been like, I'm not going to go there. And you can talk to the, the dudes um, in your life about it. But I don't know that that's the right answer. That's just kind of what I've been doing. I love the fact though, that you respect Tess's boundaries. The fact that she's like, I'm not really ready for that. And you're like, all right, cool. Like, yeah. And come back to me. Like when you are kind of thing. I love that. Yeah. What about you, Megan? Yeah. I know it might be different too, because like your son's yeah. so young. Yeah. So Taylor is he's he'll be five in a few weeks. So we haven't really had much of a talk yet, but we do try it already with like consent and boundaries and things. So like if he says no to like a hug or a kiss or whatever, like respecting that and like teaching that that's um, that that's appropriate to do. Um, so one of the things it's funny that you Sarah said like you're gonna leave the stuff to the guys like. One of the things I think about with Taylor a lot is I want to um, definitely talk to him about just, you know, the kind of stereotype that guys get around like only wanting sex and stuff like that. Like I don't, yeah. I don't want him to be a player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure how one creates or doesn't create that, but um, I definitely plan to talk to him about like obviously being respectful of women. I'm sure Sarah, you do that as well with your son, mm -hmm. but that's a big thing that comes up for me when talking about like relationships and whatnot. And I want to make sure, um, I think a lot of the stuff that I grew up in and thought was because of, I, I, I'm a woman, but my, I have a twin brother and I definitely, he experienced a lot of the same things. He was constantly upset about a girl. <laughs> so yeah. he definitely went, had that same like pressure on him. So I want Taylor to make, to make sure that he understands that he's valued as himself and like, he doesn't need friends technically or yeah. a partner, um, whether it's a boyfriend or girlfriend or anything else, um, to be of value. That's like a really important thing to me. Um, so I don't know how I'm going to do that, <laughs> but that's definitely something I've been uh, thinking about a lot. That's actually a really good point though, like deeper than the sex talk really talking about values and like where your values lie in respect to yourself versus in respect to other humans. I never actually thought about it that way. Um, so Sarah, earlier you mentioned growing up in like a religious household. Mm -hmm. And so what's so interesting about my upbringing, whenever people hear this, and I, I need to have both of my parents on the podcast together. So mm -hmm. I was, I'm a preacher's kid. I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. Um, but the things that we did in my house up, like especially with like the denomination like the traditional conservative denomination I'm in I don't know if my parents really realized just how radical like their parenting was so like we would have like weekly meetings to like check in to see like how we're doing emotionally like I saw my dad cry and like show emotion all the time I didn't know that it was like abnormal for like my parents to apologize to me like if if I told them that like they did something wrong or that they hurt my feelings and like Tess 
I was absolutely melodramatic and I honestly still am. Um, but specifically, I remember like before even coming out or anything like that, always asking my parents, I'd always ask them like on the spot. So if we were at like family dinners or like church conferences, I'd be like, so like, what would you do? Like if I was gay, like, what would your reaction be? Or like, what would you do? Like if I came home and I like told you I was pregnant or whatever. And they'd just be like, I mean, like, I mean, what, what would I do? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, that's all right, cool kind of thing. And so I remember coming out and it was just as simple as like, all right, cool. Like what's for dinner or whatever. Um, but I, I think it, I remembered like in that moment that when it came to my parents, my, the things that I was taught about sex and my value, I don't know if I was ever, I don't, I don't know kind of like what, missed the mark like I was in a household that was so affirming so empowering like literally we used to recite like affirmations about ourselves like every day especially about like my blackness and like my hair and things like that and somehow I still grew up feeling this sense of like if I don't find a woman like to love me or if I don't look a certain way or if I don't whatever I am not anything. And that honestly did not change. I'm not kidding. I was just telling Sarah and Carol this probably until like December, 2020. Mm -hmm. Okay, Sammy, how are, are you willing to share how old you are though? Of course. I don't think black people have that issue. I really think that <laughs> age thing is a white it's thing. because you look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm 31, but I'm not okay. kidding. Like it literally took me like 30 years to love myself, even with a household that was so intentional. And it's, I don't know, like, it's But that's how insidious, but that is how insidious advertising marketing yeah. it's just it permeates you and even though it's like your family tried to create this like protective armor mm -hmm. it comes through I mean why does my daughter say things to me like why am I so ugly and I'm just like what yeah. you know um and I'm just like who do you think is prettier who does she think is prettier white girls yeah. has that ever been the message in our family no was she you know i mean ever we don't do any kind of speaking of value in any relation to the look it's it's your actions it's your character yeah. it's your smarts that's just not something that we've ever done in my family i don't do it her dad doesn't do it like jay doesn't do it my parents don't do it her grand other grand, like but it doesn't matter because mm -hmm. she's on instagram yeah. she's on facebook and so it's so interesting like she showed me this picture my daughter developed very uh, early and, you know, and she just is just to me, just like this, the gorgeous person. Like I, you know, and especially because like, I didn't give birth to her. I feel like I could be like more objective. So it's not like, I'm like, oh my God, look at what I created. I'm so amazing. <laughs> but like, I did it. Right. Yeah. So she has her own genetic, you know, footprint and her own look. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm in awe of this, you know? Um, but I remember she showed me like this picture of like some girl she'd like gone to elementary school thinking like oh look mom like she's so pretty and she was you know she was a, a white girl and like she was a cute girl but like I thought like my daughter comparatively I'm like like what do you you know yeah I mean yeah she's a try like she yeah, that she's a cute girl but like gosh you know Tess so so are you um and so I'm just saying like and and that's I think the hard thing as a parent to recognize and it'd be interesting Cammy, even like to talk to your mom about this and your dad yeah. That like no matter their best efforts and best foot forward, it still is no match yeah. for the power of like advertising, marketing, and social media. It, it just isn't. 
That's so true. My brother, if anybody who has ever seen my brother, he's just like a very attractive person. And it wasn't until we got older that, I mean, me and my brother have always been close. Like he's my very, very best friend, but it wasn't until we got older that he started to talk to me about different insecurities and like specifically like with his body that like he had that when I tell you, I had absolutely no idea of, cause like you look at my brother and you're just like insecure about what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and then even that is so problematic. Cause I'm like, well, why on earth am I assuming, or I, I don't know, maybe deriving that like, because he looks the way that he does, mm-hmm. that, that he's he not allowed just, to have. Yeah. Right. And it's like, right. it really is. It's this very insidious, like, and it trips me out. Like, I'm not kidding. Like every time I think about this or study it, like it just, it trips me out. Cause it really is unfortunately to some degree, it almost seems like it's unescapable. Like there's nothing we can kind of do. Um, I don't know. It's just I, but so sad. It's, I mean, it is unescapable to a certain extent, but I also think that part of this is also like a larger cultural conversation yeah. of like, why are we addicted to these like junk values? Yes. You know? Um, and I think especially for women and other individuals that experience like kind of gender, you know, bias and discrimination, also understanding that so many of these constructs are in place as a way to minimize our power. Yes. This is, I mean, and this is like by design, like, you know, honestly, like I'm sure, I mean, I don't know, Megan, if you've had this experience too, who are the people that have treated me like the absolute worst in my life? Other women, because we are taught to compete against each other. We're taught that like, we are, you know, it's like that crabs on a barrel thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, that's where, I mean, and like, we talk about a lot about this, like in Defy, like that's where I'm just like, Hey, like being in relationship with that, with each other, you know, really, you know, valuing the different contributions that we can make really, you know, being able to see, you know, gifts that people have, whether they are, you know, God given or acquired, um, and to be able to like honor those in the midst of, and that doesn't mean that that's like negating yourself, you know? And, and I think that that's, you know, really, really challenging. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, and that's, I think for like parents, like, I don't know, Megan, if you feel like this, it's kind of like on some level, it's like, we're damned if we like, there's nothing we can like really do about it unless we can help kind of craft and shift that larger narrative as a culture of like, who, what do, how do we value th- things and people or people specifically? And what are those values? And how can we slowly kind of move away from these like, you know, arbitrary markers and especially of like white beauty, especially for women, like that, that's, that's the beauty standard. Um, and, and then how do we, you know, start, and I think we're starting to open this up more to really understand and have value for all different types of beauty, but then can we even shift that away that it's not just about beauty, but it's, you know, about other things too, especially for, for women. Um, and I mean, that's not going to happen during our lifetimes, but we can, you know, I mean, we can try to like, we know this, we can try to shape it. We can, you know, get a little step closer. Um, so maybe like our, you know, daughters and sons, daughters and sons, you know, don't have the same thing. Yeah. But that shit, like, like I said, your parents can have that armor. It just, it's, it, it's so insidious. Yeah. I feel like yeah. you said we're not, we might not see it in our lifetime, but like, have you been, okay, obviously not in 2020 or 2021, but have you been to a club recently? Like, uh, no. 19, 20, 2019? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm curious, yeah. like what the difference is out in LA or like Hawaii and Panama. So Pan- first of all, Panama city is like, it's, it's very Southern. Mm-hmm. I'm, I want to keep it nice. 
And, <laughs> but I was floored the last time I went to the dance clubs there in like 2019, the girls are wearing tennis shoes and shorts and t-shirts. Like I used to have to dress to this <laughs> with like these huge heels and stuff. I was like, what is this? Right. They're comfortable you? now. What? Like, and you're like, what is that? And then watching dancing happen, like the guys are not all up on them. They're not like sexually <laughs> assaulting them, but it's just dancing. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's a <laughs> shift. Have this growing up. Um, that's actually a really good point. Like, I didn't think about that. And like, even, you know, culturally, like some of the songs, like Megan Thee Stallion and like mm -hmm. all of those, uh, like a lot of the newer music coming out, the body positive movement and like all of that type of stuff, I think is hopefully helping the, the younger generations break a lot of that down. Now, it doesn't mean it's getting fixed, but it's definitely like leaps and bounds where it was when I was growing up. Yeah. It's like we're fed up. It's like fed up to have, you know, like standards. Um, and even, ooh, look, this is, I'll take any, the obsession that Cammie and I have <laughs> with Morgan Jerkins, this will be my undoing. It's like the idea that like, you know, that the beauty standard in the United States has been, you know, white girls, which is true, but I'm saying as a white girl, I never fit that standard. I was too loud. I was too big. And so I even felt like, like I'm not allowed to be attractive. That's not who I am. And so I'm going to be relegated to like the unattractive status for, for the rest of my life. And I think now people are just like, oh my God, like yeah. fuck that shit. Like, especially like Lizzo, she's like, this is me and I'm going to have my album cover and I'm going to be voluptuous and I have roles in my body and there, you know, is beauty in that. And I just, I, I, and I have appreciated how that has really kind of gained momentum and steam just because it's like, I'm tired. I'm so tired of trying to achieve something that like, I'll never be. Um, and then like, it's robbing me of like joy, like, yeah. Ugh, yeah. you know, like barf. Yeah. Have you heard the song Daisy by Ashinko? Uh-uh. Oh. oh my gosh. It's so good. But I'll just tell you the, the one line is in here is um I we're allowed to swear, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> so she says, fuck a princess, I'm a king, bow down and kiss on my ring. <laughs> exactly. And like, but yeah. you have to hear her sing it. I'll uh send it to you, but it's amazing. Um, it's just another one of those that I'm like, where was this when I was growing up? <laughs> yeah. So one of the things, so as Sarah knows, so right now I'm a part of this program and the, the easiest way I think to kind of describe it is it is literally like I'm going to the Hogwarts of pleasure. And one of the, th and like, I'm not kidding. It's like the best thing that, I mean, I would pay for this time and time. What is again. this program? What? I have to like, so I'm in this program. Cult? It's not a cult, right? No. <laughs> I'm pretty obsessed <laughs> with watching cults though. I like love watching all of them. If anybody has like, who's listening to this, if you have like a cult recommendation, please send it to me. I'm like obsessed. But so it's this program in which it's really just kind of talking about what I have conceptualized. It's just radical self-love. And I think one of the things I have learned is there's so much shame tied to our personalities, tied to mainly though, like our sexuality, so much shame in that even I think probably we have experienced like within our field, like we work with children, they obviously children are just tiny humans. So like they start to do sexual behaviors that are absolutely human and like absolutely normal. And we're all like grossed out. People are trying to like put, I don't know, put extinction plans in place for normal shit, which is wildly unethical. But besides that though, I was like, learning 
and really kind of looking at my life and trying to figure out, okay, Camille, like where were you first shamed as far as your sexuality? And I don't know if like it was ever like, a, again, like kind of what you were saying, Megan, like a direct, like explicit, like you are shamed, don't masturbate, don't whatever. But I just always remember like feeling as though like my sexuality had to be a secret. So like if I masturbated, like I definitely would not like tell my significant other or I would not even masturbate like if I was in like relationships with people or like even like when I was younger, like my mom teaching me how to masturbate was like so weird, but she's like, Camille, like this is important. She's like showing me all her sex toys. And I'm just like, I don't think other moms do this, mom. Like, what is going on? I don't think they do. I was like, I don't, I mean, my mom was like different. Like my first period, we had like a period party to really like this, like celebrate this rite of passage. I don't know. She was, and I like love it now, but at the time I'm like, mom, like what the fuck is going on? But (laughs) I just think it's so like, I'm not kidding y'all. We literally had a party. I got like tea and like aspirin and and I learned about pads and like it was the cute again and now that I'm an adult it was really sweet but I'm just like mom like I don't know what this is but so even now like I'm 31 years old I'm in a committed relationship who with a person who more than anything values autonomy so she's like what do you mean like you don't masturbate when you're in relationships with people like that's a you thing not like a me thing or a them thing or whatever um and it's just so interesting how it kind of like how it presents itself so lately one of the things like I'm always talking about sex period but like I've been like hitting up Sarah like I haven't like a new yoni egg today like I'm loving it I had like four orgasms last night and she's like yes meanwhile like there's other people who are like why are you talking about this like cringe like you're not supposed to talk about your sex life and and I'm like but why (laughs) like why where is the shame in something that should be so natural to us as breathing. Like pleasure should be just a thing. Where do you all, if you all do kind of like, I don't know, like where do you kind of fall with that? Like, do y'all talk about sex? I feel like Megan, you're probably like way more conservative than me and Sarah. I could be wrong. I think, though, yeah, it just question. depends. Like it depends on who I'm around. So if y'all were having a conversation, I would actively engage I wouldn't like shut down and be like oh my gosh what is happening right now yeah um but a lot of the friends that I have that's not like a a topic that comes up but I'm all like I'm always flexible and open to discussing and learning things yeah um so part of it's just more about like exposure um my mom definitely did not teach me how to masturbate (laughs) (laughs) that's that's definitely not a thing same yeah (laughs) for me um but yeah and I'm not like afraid I don't like if I knew that like someone I was in a relationship was masturbating or if I'm in a relationship, I'm still going to masturbate. Like it is a self thing. It's not yeah. like you can, you can Carol, have sex Carol like was like, you night. better. <laughs> she was joking. She was like, don't make Jamie jealous now. I was like, yo, but like real shit, like Jamie is, and it shouldn't be revolutionary, but how supportive she is like on this journey of like me really unmasking my pleasure like, and again, like I, as you know, I don't like praising a fist for swimming, but I'm always finding myself like thanking her because like, I don't know, especially if I really had to be honest, like with my self-confidence issues that like I'm forever working on, if I, I would feel the same way, I'd be like, well, what about me? And she's like, 
okay, I'm going to sit up here. Like, I'm just going to like read my book. Like you go and like, I call it like my little pleasure place. She's like, you go back there. Like, do you will like watch the show when you come back? And I was like, mm -hmm. really? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. What about you, Sarah? Yeah, the more or that like, you learn how to pleasure yourself, that mm -hmm. can also come back to your relationship too. Yeah. So. Well, and it's interesting too, because it's like, I really think before this point in my life, like I would just seek that out from other people forgetting that like I literally can get high off my own supply in any capacity of the way you know what I mean like even if like I'm even like if my goal is not like to orgasm like what if I just want to like explore like I don't like it's just like these like things that are so basic that to me are also so revolutionary, like walking around naked and just like looking at myself within making myself like say something positive, mm -hmm. like having sex with the lights on. I don't know, like whatever, like not mm -hmm. feeling like I need to put on lingerie that she doesn't even care about. <laughs> like, cause, but, cause, but I was taught by fucking Victoria's Secret that that's what the fuck I'm supposed to do to get late. You know what I mean? It's like shit like that where I'm just like, it's mind blowing. Yeah, no, it is. And I think like for me, I think like I spent a lot of years just like suppressing that piece of me because I was just like, you know, especially I think for people that have like young children and like are doing like the young kid kind of like family thing, like that is just, it's like all encompassing. And I see this, you know, with so many women, you know, with, with friends, with, you know, colleagues, with neighbors that I just see like them just get like lost in the mothering piece. And there's nothing wrong with loving your kids and mothering. There isn't, and I'm not judging that whatsoever. But then they're forgetting that they're still sexual beings mm -hmm. for themselves, for their partners if they have one, you know, um, that there's this other, there's this, you can be both of those things. And I think that we get, it's, they're like, well, this is me, I'm this, but that means, and so then it becomes, it's like, but that means I'm not that yeah. versus like, hey, it's like a Venn diagram and you can be all those things like kind of like in the middle, right? And I will say, I think it's been helpful for me to have a partner who is, you know, much more aligned, you know, in terms of kind of like sex drive, exploration, willingness, um, and is, you know, that's allowed me to kind of be more free. And it's the same thing, I think like, like, you know, like you and Jamie, Cammy, I think are kind of like more similar to me and Jay. Jay's like, like, do, you know, like mm -hmm. do whatever you, you want to do, like, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and like, I don't, and he's like, I'm not intimidated by that. And like, I know what we have. And like, we have a, you know, a lot of fun together and are, are super open with each other. And that's been a huge piece of our relationship is, is that kind of alignment in that way. Um, but it's taken me, I feel like I almost had like a reawakening at like 41 or 42. Cause I honestly felt like I spent most of my thirties just like work, work, working, young kids, mothering, you know, and it's like, I almost like flipped that switch and it's like, I re, and then I, I turned it back on. Um, and it's really allowed me to get in better kind of contact with myself to be able to de experience, you know, a more deeper pleasure in my life. And I, I agree with you, Cammy. like, I don't know, like, I like to have sex every day and like, I don't, that's not pornographic. That's yeah. not wrong. That's just something I enjoy. And it's not, you know, but just knowing that even me just saying that I'm like, are people going to think that I'm yep. over speaking or is this going to be viewed as, as inappropriate? And, but the only way for us to kind of shift, I think those mindsets is by just kind of having more open conversations and normalizing it. Yeah. And, and I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, like, I'm not going to live a life where I feel like I'm not allowed to like 
have pleasure, give pleasure, you know, do great work, um, be happy, be sad. Like I want all the things. And so I don't accept something less than that. One thing I think is really interesting. I feel like it's like this over, almost like this umbrella topic of like, as adults, we, I think, lose curiosity, right? Like we go to like, we go to college, like we pick our major. So we aren't really, we don't have the ability, I guess, in our minds to kind of be curious about like anything else. Then if for us, like we go to grad school, we like, you know, pass our exams, like we start these businesses, we work these businesses, forgetting that like, we can also be curious about like so many other things. And I think for me, like, that's why I love behavior analysis, because it allows me to stay curious about all of the things. Um, That's also what I really, really love about like sex and love and relationships, because I'm learning that like, I can be almost like this childlike curious, like person again. I will never forget. I had this revelation like a few like years ago. So me and my friends, we always are talking about sex. And so um, we're always talking about just like different kinds of sex or whatever. And they're like, Cammy, like, do you like anal? And I was like, no. And they were like, really? Like, we're surprised that you don't. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> like, why are you surprised? But I was like, wait a second. I've never even tried it to know if I don't like it. But I'm just like, yeah, no. Like, you're not supposed to like anal. Like, so my answer is going to be no. And it's like little shit like that where it's like, actually, like, what if I do like it? Like, actually, let's like, let's figure it out. Like, let's try it out. Or even just like meaningless, like casual sex. Like, there's just so many things around sex and sexuality and pleasure that like, behaviorally speaking, tends to, I think, just get punished in such a sad, honestly, like a very, very sad, shameful way. And I'm just like, I don't, I'm no longer willing to do that. Like, I don't want to do that. Well, and also, I mean, but we also know as behavior analysts, um, if we, it's like, if we don't allow people to engage in things in an appropriate way, then they're going to do stuff in an inappropriate way because yes. we're not being, we're not skill teaching. We're not teaching uh, boundaries. We're not teaching how you talk about things. And so then when people do things that would be, you know, perceived as like deviant. Yep. Um, I mean, we see this a lot, like with uh, persons like with developmental disabilities or intellectual disabilities, you know, it's not because they're bad. It's because they haven't been discreetly taught. They haven't been, you know, uh, in an environment that is recognizes who they are as sexual beings that regardless of whether you have a developmental disability or intellectual disability, that doesn't mean that you're not a, a sexual being. And, and the same goes for us too. And so then it's like, yeah. and I'm like, you know, secretly looking at porn on the side yep. and I, I feel shame about it or I'm doing something else or potentially maybe I'm engaging in behavior that's harmful to myself. And that wasn't my intention, yeah. but I don't know any better because it's like, I've not been allowed to access reinforcement for what I'm actually interested in or obtain skills. Yeah. And so like, I go to like the, you know, the corners and the shadows. Yeah. Um, and it's like, like, I think so many of this, so much of this stuff has to be brought out, um, of, of the shadows. And, and again, part of this, it's also, I mean, like, this is like rooted, like in like, you know, puritanical values. And yes. again, like, this is a way to like, especially for oppression of women, I mean, all of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you add on all of, you know, the complexities of our, you know, history in, in the U S um, in terms of how we view, you know, race and sex, et cetera. But yeah, like, I, I'm just like, why? why are we making this, you know, a big deal? And like, why have I made this such a big deal for myself? And for so long, I'm like, oh, well, this is a bad thing that I do versus just like, it's just part of the complexity of of being human and and being a sexual being. And and that's like the cool thing about like living. Um, 
Have you all ever bought in sex toys from like one of those places where like you can click a button that says something like, please ship like discreetly or like will not show up on your or will show up on your credit card statement as and you're just like, I'm sorry, it's a fucking dildo. Like, <laughs> Why can't you put like dildos by Cami on my credit card statement or whatever the fuck? Like, why do you have to be like pure romance <laughs> like or whatever? It's yeah. like this is it's mind blowing to me. Like it is absolutely mind blowing to me. Oh my God. Here is like the funnest thing that I have done in 2021. I'm going to tell you guys right now. And I would encourage everyone. Well, it's only February. Not- so. <laughs> so I was in Phoenix um, and there are two like really awesome sex shops there. And I went to two different ones uh, in a span of like three days. And it was just like, awesome because a the people that work at these places are so knowledgeable and can answer so many questions and I was like hey what about this or what is this thing and they're like oh cool and again like it's just like a normal conversation so any kind of like oh I'm going to sex store you know make sure all the windows are blacked (laughs) out so no one can see park around the corner it's like no like that's not how they are like they like this one store was just opened and it was like beautifully decorated all of these like great things every you walk in they're like hey we're so glad to see you like let us know if you have any questions I'm like thank you yeah and then I'm just walking around everywhere and I was like I have a question about this and she's like okay she's like well let me take this out and kind of talk to you about it here's been my experience but some other people feel like that you know I'm just like this is how this should work it's like I just went into like a boutique like hey I want to buy maybe some hoop earrings and a sweater but instead I'm just like hey I'm looking at this like vibrator um and also like these anal beads let's talk about it like it was just and they're like actually yeah like you could do this size you could like it's so I learned instructive yes I learned so much over the weekend um at sex abba kind of for that same purpose where I'm just like there's so much information that we simply like don't know and I really think that stigma kind of holds us back so with that Megan and Sarah, I will be sending you all my eggs, my Yoni eggs. You have to tell me what you think of them. Like y'all, they are life-changing. Like, will it, so will like, it, will you, you put on the box something like, so it's not discreet? Yeah. <laughs> I'll just feel like a dick on the box. Oh my God. No, this is, the quote should be. And then the box will come and Taylor will put be this- like, Put yeah, this in, put your, this in t- your twat. Put this in your twat. And that's what. There you <laughs> go. Eggs by, by, <laughs> my son loves opening Simple. boxes. So he's going to see that and be like, Mom. well, I sent, so Danielle, we sent Danielle one from Defy. And she said that Skylar Rose tries to like play with it in her like Barbie, like her Barbie house and stuff. But, but Taylor's obsessed with eggs right now. Like I've been cooking and he keeps coming over and wants to have a pet egg. Well, he'd take care of it. That's really good. Like he will make sure like you don't like, I'm not kidding. Like you just put it in there. Like I, so sometimes I have to use lube just cause like, I'm not as wet anymore, like from the hysterectomy. Um, but lately even that has increased love this. I'm so excited y'all. Like my <laughs> vagina is like changing. I'm pumped, but like you like put it in and you could do like Kegels with it. Um, the one that I'm going to send y'all, it comes with like this meditation. And I think what's really interesting about meditation is that like, it really, if you're intentional, like you're supposed to be. And if you're really like in that moment and you're kind of in yourself, I think, um, like Layla Martin says something to the effect of like, it's like the calm version or like the, yeah, like the calm version of sex. Whereas like sex is like the active version of meditation. And like this, I'm not kidding. Like the first time I put this egg in, I like saw this egg and I'm like, oh my God, like that is not going to fit in my vagina. I am terrified. And I was like, okay, Camille, 
like just lube it up, put some lube on yourself to like do it, like just, but in the meditation, it's like, if your body is saying like, yes, put it in. If it's not, okay, cool. Like that's perfect too. And like, it's like this acceptance of like how you are right now versus like what we're trying to be. So like now when I have sex or masturbate or anything, I'm not even like going into it with like, I want to have an orgasm. I want to have an orgasm. It's literally like, I'm just still kind of like in that moment. I'm not kidding y'all. It's life-changing. So as a thank you for being on the show, I'm sending y'all some eggs. I'm really pumped. Awesome. I'm excited I'm to for receive it. it. Uh, Camille, when you, you mentioned about like being curious, one of the things that I found has been interesting the last few weeks, there's some, been some rooms on Clubhouse and mm. then also um, st the stereo app, there are people. And so I'll just see like the titles of different talks. So there was one, um, I think on Sunday, where they were talking about traditional marriage versus poly. Mm. And, um, and I was like, I don't even know the definition of poly necessarily. Yeah. So I wanted to like listen in and there, there was some really knowledgeable people in there explaining all sorts of stuff. So that's been a way to kind of keep my curiosity going too, just like hopping yeah. into these chats that I otherwise wouldn't have even known, known these those people. These apps, stereo, I, or, I haven't done, I've listened to yours on stereo, but I think Clubhouse is really cool too because you just literally like click a button, like you sign right in and like you're in there, you can be like on the go listening. So that's really cool. Maybe we should do a room in there and talk about the eggs once we get them. Can we? Let's do not it. not recorded or anything. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So I am so, 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 so grateful to have both of you on the show talking about my favorite topic, which is love, sex, and relationships and behavior analysis. Um, yeah, I think everybody probably knows all of y'all social media, but I do like to always tell people to kind of plug yourself. So where can the people find you? Uh, <laughs> so on Instagram, it's Dr. Megan do better movement. I don't know. I always forget. I'm not good at Instagram. <laughs> um, and then on Facebook, I have the Dr. Megan Miller Facebook page and the do better movement. And the website is collective.dobettermovement.us. Thank you. What about you? Sarah? To you, for me, uh, Instagram is adventures of Sarah. You can find me, Sarah Troutman, on Facebook. But obviously, my main passion is Defy. So defy.community is the website. Both Megan and Cammie are involved in Defy. We, you can find us at Defy Community on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. And, you know, uh, coming soon, some, some more. Uh, actually, Megan, you have your lounge starting this uh -huh. week in Defy. And so, oh, hey, BCBAs. And, you know, Cammie's going to have some pretty exciting news coming out uh, in Defy in the next couple weeks, too. So, so pumped. You can, you can catch all of us over there. So mm -hmm. pumped. All right. oh, and do better and do better in Defy. We have our first collaborative event, uh, April 23rd. Deets dropping soon. I was going to say, I didn't know if I should mention that. So I'm really happy that oh, you out. mentioned it. <laughs> we got a date nailed down. That was the hardest part. So now we, yeah. I mean, no, and no kidding. We had to change the date four different times. And finally, I was just like, God damn it, Megan. We're I'm doing like, this. We're doing this. Yeah. And like, if anything else happens, like, I just, I don't care anymore. And she was like, I'm in. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank y'all so much again for joining the show. And I will be right back. Peace. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, if you like it, go ahead over to the Apple Podcast page, leave me five stars, and leave a very nice review.
Um, if you're feeling really, really supportive and really generous, please head over to the Love, Sex, and Applied Behavior Analysis Patreon and become a Patreon. There's all kinds of goodies and reinforcement attached to each level of that Patreon. I do want to thank Catherine for being my newest Patreon. Absolutely love you and your work. Um, if you all don't follow her, please go on to Instagram and follow her work at always forward under slash ABA. I just want to shout you out. I feel like you're just always very, very supportive of me and uh, my work. So thank you so much for becoming my newest Patreon. Um, please also remember to go ahead over to the Instagram page, like it. Hopefully you can scroll through it and see a lot of the uh, trailer episodes. Remember, ask me those questions in the inbox um, and hopefully I'll be able to read them aloud on the show. So someone asked me, what's your obsession with yoni eggs? And without giving too much away, please just know me and yoni eggs have a very um, just intimate relationship more honestly than, than just about sex or anything like that. Um, really though, uh, for like a deeper um it just hasn't kind of made me have start this journey of this really deep, uh, radical love with myself. Um, but, um, actually in a few weeks, I will be uh, making a couple of announcements talking a little bit more about that. I can't give too, too much away yet, but yeah, just know that Yoni eggs change lives. <laughs> All right, y'all, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me on Love, Sex, and Applied Behavior Analysis, the podcast where pop culture and ABA meet. Bye.